As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the home group tonight. My name is Paul Renner. My father, Rick Renner, asked me to lead the home group, and I am so glad that I get to be here with you. Please write in the comment section right now and tell us where you have joined us from. We are together in the home group. This is a home group. It's a time for fellowship and conversation. Talk to us. Talk to each other during the home group tonight. Along with me here is my mother and Joel. Hi. Hi, Paul. We're so glad you're with us. And we're glad that Joel's with us. Oh, thank you, Mama. And I'm glad to be with you. There we go. We went full circle. All but right. I am very, very <laughs> glad to be with you guys. It's truly a joy to study the Bible. What else would we like to study? The Bible. The Bible is such a gift, a gift oh, from God. Oh, oh, it's the stability of our heart. It really is. The Word of God is truly a blessing that He gave this to us. And I'm so glad I get to study with you. And with you. I heard somebody say this. I don't know who said it, but they said, if your Bible's falling apart, your life isn't. Yeah, that's right. And if you need prayer, please call us. We would love to pray with you. Just call us at 1-800-742-5593 or email us at prayer at We believe in the power of prayer, don't we, Mama? Absolutely. And we see miracles when people pray. That's right. Hey, and don't forget to comment, to like, to share this video with other people. Easter is extremely important to our Christian faith. It really is. And more and more people need to hear about it. There are so many people who don't know the Easter story, who don't even know about Jesus. They need to hear about Jesus. Jesus is coming back soon. And the rapture is going to happen. It's going to be marvelous when Jesus returns. Mm -hmm. And as many people as possible need to hear the story of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We're talking about Easter today because that's what my father's talking about in his daily program. So today we'll be talking about... Jesus is meeting with Pilate and with Herod, Ooh. but you need to either, now there are several options here because he's written quite a bit about Easter. You can open up Sparkling Gems number one to April 17, 18, and 19 today, or you can open up the book Paid in Full, which he actually reads from while he's in Israel, in Jerusalem, during the stand-ups. Or if you don't have any of those, you can download the study guide for free. That's right. Or you can get the whole series. These kind of come together, but this is for free today. And it's 165 pages. It's a mammoth study guide. That's giving a book away. It really is. 100%. But I'm reading through this before we start a home group. And I have to tell you, it is so fulfilling. There's so much information here. Historical, Bible verses, Greek words. Very interesting questions. We're going to ask a few of them tonight. But it is, it is really fun. Mm -hmm. you, you can get this right now on our website for free. Now, I've said it before, but if you have never downloaded a study guide from our website, renner.org, this is the one to download. This is the one you've been waiting for. You say, you know what, all this, you know, go to that link or go to that link, you know, leave the home group or follow the link. This is the one to get. You want to go to renner.org to download this study guide because First of all, I mean, this is a big one. This is like a book-sized study guide. It's not the only one that's book-sized, but this is the big one. And it's about Easter. Easter is, Easter is central to our faith. And it's not just Easter. Sometimes when we say the word Easter, what comes to your mind first? Now, unfortunately, when we say the word Easter, to many people, the first thing that comes to your mind could be Easter eggs or bunnies or an egg hunt or something not really related 
to the death and resurrection of Jesus. When we talk about Easter, the first thing that should come to our mind is the resurrection of Jesus. Because when Jesus was raised from the dead, in that moment, he proved to his disciples and to us today that everything that he said was true. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, there would, need, there would be no point in any of it. Mm. But the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead, and I say the fact because there were witnesses. Jesus came and spoke to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Even very well-known places of scripture like the Great Commission, teach all nations, Matthew 28, therefore Go, the go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and in the whole end of the Holy Ghost. This was Jesus speaking his, to his disciples after his resurrection. And there are so many other things that Jesus said to his disciples after his resurrection. We have proof that Jesus was actually raised from the dead. And if that is not enough proof to trust in him, I don't know what else you need. That is enough proof to trust in him. Mm. He was dead and he was raised from the dead. There's proof that he was dead and there was proof that he was raised from the dead. And that's why we celebrate Easter today because he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Let's say it together. Jesus, Jesus is, is Lord. Lord and he is risen. Amen. And Paul, I just have to read this out of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 because it's exactly what you're saying. And, and the apostle Paul wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And it is so important that we just say, (laughs) because what we're doing is we're establishing the truth. And I know probably in your life already, I know in my life, there have been enough trouble in my life that there have been times where I said, I need the truth right now. And the truth right now is Jesus is risen from the dead. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And what Paul is saying is this is the anchor of our faith. The Apostle Paul said, if he's not risen, then our faith is futile and you're dying in your sins. And and but we know, Paul, just like you said, we know he is risen. Our faith is not in vain. Amen. Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask you to do a few things this year. We often get together for Easter. I'm sorry, we ought to, uh, often get together for Thanksgiving, and at Thanksgiving dinner, we ask each other, what are you thankful for this year? And everyone around the table, at least that's what we do in our family, everyone around the table says, I'm thankful for, and you know, you say a few things that really ha- were significant to you this year. Well, take time, please, to celebrate Easter. And when you celebrate Easter as a family, take time to share your testimony. There are things that we do regularly. We do them to to encourage each other, to remind ourselves, and to strengthen our faith. Share your testimony with your children. Share your testimony with your family. Be bold enough to say, this is what Jesus did in my life. 
And when you share your own experience, there's so much strength, there's so much power in that. It's, it's so convincing when someone says, this is what Jesus did for me. When you're bold enough to say that, that actually raises a question in the hearts of other people. Why are they that bold? Why are they so confident? What actually happened in them that they're so confident, so bold to say, this is what Jesus did in my life. Share your testimony. Please share your testimony with your children. Please share your testimony with your family, with those who you work with. Take time to tell them what Jesus did in your life. And who are you looking for? So many people are still looking to the cross with Jesus crucified on the cross. But that's only part of the story. Jesus was raised from the dead. In Matthew 28, we read how Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see Jesus. And in verse 5, Matthew 28, verse 5, the angel answered and said unto them, Women, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Very interesting. The angel knew exactly who they were looking for. You seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Let's say it together. For he, he, he is, risen. is risen. Amen. Father God, I thank you that you're Amen. risen and that you are alive today Amen. in our lives in Amen. the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's so much strength and encouragement that we receive when we get to talk about our salvation and about Jesus who is risen. So let's get back to the daily program. I know that we got a little bit excited talking about the <laughs> resurrection of Jesus here, but let's get back to the daily program where we're actually talking about the fact that Jesus was at Pontius Pilate's uh, palace and Pontius Pilate sent him to Herod to be judged because during the conversation, Pilate discovered that Jesus was a Galilean and, and Herod was the one responsible for that specific area or that specific territory. And at that moment, Herod was in Jerusalem. So instead of taking responsibility for the judgment of Jesus, Pilate decided to send Jesus to Herod to shift the, shift the blame or shift the responsibility. If Herod's here, this is not my business. I should not be the one making decisions about this matter. I'm going to send him to Herod, let Herod make the decisions. So Pilate it's important. There are a few stories here happening at the same time. There's the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. There's the story of the, <clears throat> the Jewish uh, community at that time, which was unhappy with Jesus and the high priest, which was trying to regain people's attention and power and bring things back into the norm. Then there is the story of perhaps them wanting to overthrow Pilate and change the political regime of that moment, of that time. So there's several things going on at the same time that all kind of uh, met together at the crucifixion of Jesus. So here, instead of Pilate taking responsibility for the judgment of Jesus, he shifted it over to Pilate. Matthew 23, Luke, Luke 23. He shifted six, it over to Herod, you mean? Shift, yes, shifted it over to Herod. Luke 23, verses 6 and 7, when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And as soon as he heard that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent 
him to Herod, who himself was at Jerusalem at that time. Luke 23, 8. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him for a long season, because he had heard of many things of him, many things of Jesus, and had hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. So Herod had heard of Jesus. Now I'd like to point out that this is pre-internet, pre-social networks. And if you had heard of someone by that time, it means that people had been talking, talking quite a bit. Now we know that Jesus was well known in that area, especially in the area of Galilee, uh, and that uh, Herod wanted to see him and wanted to see him do a miracle. But his motives were not pure. It's not the same thing as someone who looked to Jesus as a savior, saw a miracle, received a miracle, and believed on him. Not quite the same thing. Herod wanted to see Jesus do a miracle almost as if a magician would, would perform some kind of magical performance. Mm-hmm. Herod didn't look to Jesus as a savior. He looked to Jesus as someone who would perhaps do something spectacular and entertaining. Mm-hmm. But this is not Herod the Great, of course. This is one of his sons. Mm-hmm. And Jesus' name was a household name in the Herod household. They heard Jesus' name quite often. And I want to give a few examples of what they probably talked about in their household. So Jesus' supernatural birth, of course, that was probably a, a large subject in the, in the Herod household. Uh, the king of kings from the east who had journeyed from afar to see the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Herod was the Great was very upset about this. His father, Herod the Great, attempted to kill Jesus when he was an infant. Jesus and his parents escaped into Egypt, and we know by history that Herod the Great sent spies to go find and kill Jesus. <laughs> it's true. The miraculous healing and deliverance ministry of Jesus in Galilee and all over Israel. The Herod household talked about Jesus' deeds. Jesus was famous in his own lifetime. He was, he's the Lord of Lords. He's the Son of God. And it affected every family. Every family. And so when Herod Antipas was, says he was excited to see Jesus, there was a reason why. His whole childhood, he had been hearing about who Jesus was. And whenever he got the chance to see Jesus, he was quite excited. He thought he was going to get a, just like a magical show or something, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Like buying a ticket and, and going to a show and... And come on, do it, do Mm. it. Every Sunday when I do the altar call at church, I know that there are several types of people listening to the message, experiencing the service, and several different types of people that could respond to the altar call. Now there are those that have sincerely come to church, possibly out of need, possibly thinking this is the last place. I mean, there's no one else can help them. They finally... They finally submitted to Jesus. They finally come to church and they're ready to submit. They're ready to ask for help. There are people who come to church because their family comes to church and it's the thing they do. And maybe at some point, instead of it being the thing to do, it becomes something that they do. It becomes something personal to them. There are people that come to church one time, two times, three times. In a book about church growth once, I read that the most important people you talk to are not the people that come to church for the first time. It's the people that have come to church for the second time and for the third time. Mm 
because someone can come to church once and never come back. But if they're coming to church once, second, and third time, those are the people who are beginning to open their heart and who need to respond and take the next step. But then there are those people who come with a a pre-existing notion. They have not come to open their heart. They have not come to do what other people are doing. They've not come simply to just respect the faith of other people. They've come with a pre-existing notion to look, look for the holes. They, they've come to be the critics. They've come to, to say that this is, all, this is all fake, it's a hoax, and all these people have been lied to. There must be some type of mass hypnosis going on. That there are those who come to criticize And not everyone who comes to Jesus and experiences Jesus responds the same way. Now, you may think that if I had just seen Jesus, or maybe if Jesus would show up and I would have seen him myself, if Jesus would speak to me personally, then I would know. Well, Herod got to meet Jesus. Mm. He got to talk to Jesus. He got to ask Jesus questions. Jesus even had the opportunity to perform miracles. But that didn't change Herod's life. Herod didn't become a believer. He had the pre-existing notion. He wanted to meet Jesus, not to believe in him, but to be entertained or to finally finally fulfill some childhood curiosity about Jesus. There was something else. There was another motive there. And, and although people do come to church and experience uh, Jesus, experience his presence with the wrong motive, the Lord still works in their hearts. It's, it's amazing that he can work in people's hearts, even if they, even if they come initially with, with something else in mind. Uh, but the Lord can still work in their hearts. But in this particular case, we see that, you know, he wanted to make fun of Jesus. He wanted to say, Jesus, do one of those miracles. Come on, do a miracle. If you don't do a miracle, well, I guess, you know, there's, there's just, you know, it was all just stories. No, they were, they were all lying to me. Show me something. We have to come in faith. And even here in Jesus's lifetime, he met with someone who wanted to see him for the wrong reasons, who asked him to show, to ask him to perform a miracle for the wrong reasons. And Herod was upset he was disappointed and eventually just sent him back to Pilate. well we talked about we talked in yesterday yesterday's home group that jesus had a peace he put his trust in the father he didn't have to prove himself who he was to herod Mm. he knew who he was in the father and he had his peace there and i think it's very interesting that the bible says that herod he questioned him jesus in many words but he answered him nothing That's exactly the same thing that happened with Pilate. (laughs) Jesus didn't have to prove himself to humans. He knew who he was. And the chief priests and scribes stood and and just started to accuse him Mm -hmm. because they didn't do what Jesus, what they wanted Jesus to do. Mm -hmm. But Jesus didn't play, he didn't play along. Jesus refused to perform, even though everyone was excited to see something. And he continued to remain silent in Herod's. In, in front of Herod and his accusers. And they continued to mock him. Mm-hmm. Verse 11 says, Then Herod, 
with his men of war, which means men of troops, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Mm-hmm. Which is mocking. I mean, why would you do that? Only to mock somebody. And it's just terrible to treat the King of Kings, Lord of Lords like that. And I'm very, it's very sad to hear that that's how Herod treated Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Jesus had complete authority. Mm-hmm. If you ever feel like you've been in the situation where you didn't know how to respond or someone was trying to have fun at your expense, now this often happens sometimes, especially when you're in the company of people who have a pre-existing idea that people of faith are stupid, people of faith are just not quite intellectually all there, perhaps that you're in a situation where people already have all their arguments lined up and it seems like whatever you say or however you respond, you're just jumping into the next trap. You're just jumping into the next argument that you, you, you don't know how to respond. Maybe you're not so good at responding to people in stressful situations and five minutes later, the next day, you think, you know what, I know what to say. I just didn't, I just couldn't respond when, when I was being questioned like that. I was in a situation like that once, and I, know, I just felt like there's no point in this conversation. Regardless of whatever I say, the gentleman I'm speaking to is just going to, you know, he's just going to tell me his another, his, his, his pre-prepared answer why all Christians are stupid or why all people of faith are dumb. I mean, he has this notion. He's going to keep. He's going to keep it going. It's, this is this is why he wants to talk. He wants to. Uh, he wants to talk to me this way. And, there, and there's going to be no there's going to be no discussion here. I'm sure that many of you have been in the same type of situation, particularly right now. I'd like to speak to those people who are in school. Perhaps you're in the type of situation where you know that the people that you're supposed to be learning from, you cannot have a discussion about faith or certain topics you just cannot touch because then immediately uh, you'll be on the bad list. Uh, the Lord was in that situation. Mm-hmm. He understands exactly what you're experiencing and he can guide you so that you can either speak. The, the New Testament tells us to not worry about how to respond when we're being questioned. So that could mean that you may not really respond at all like Jesus or that could mean that he'll give you the right things to say in that particular situation. Jesus understands the situation that you were in. That's encouraging to me. When we look at the story of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's so many things that we often just simply look over mm-hmm. as part of the story. But if you try to put yourself in the story, then all of a sudden you realize there's so much there that's applicable for each of us today. You know, if you your very presence in the face of someone that's standing for evil is still a witness. Amen. If you're against what they're doing, maybe you make your case, but you, and then, then they go into all their arguments and you say nothing. Your, your very presence, your very presence is a statement that what they're doing that is wrong. And, and it, at least it's something to guide them into some kind of truth because the Bible says if we don't stand up for truth, it's like we're agreeing with a lie. 
So we must stand up for truth because people need to know the truth. People are believing lies. And if we who know the truth don't speak up for the truth, don't make our presence known, then how is anybody going to believe the truth if we who know the truth don't speak the truth? Mm -hmm. Amen. Wow. This is so wonderful. So good to be with our home group. Yeah, it is. Just wonderful. Can we pray together? Yeah. Joel, please pray. Father God, I just thank you for this wonderful time of studying your word. I ask you to give us understanding, wisdom. Father God, you said if we ask for wisdom, you'll give it to us. And I ask you to be with our home group this evening. I ask you to bless our home group, bless their households. If there are any unbelievers in our family, Jesus, I ask you to do a work in their hearts. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.